You're listening to the Maritime Gardening Podcast, episode 85, brought to you by Vessi Steeds, Safer's Gardening Products. Well, folks, it's the first week of uh, July, and the garlicscapes are starting to appear in my garden, and I thought it would make sense, given that it's garlicky time of year, to do a show about garlic. This is my first podcast where I talk directly about garlic, and a whole podcast on garlic and answer everything you ever wanted to know but were afraid to ask perhaps about garlic and I thought who better than to bring on an, as a guest than Ron Goldie. Who is Ron Goldie? Well he's a senior extension educator at the Southwest Michigan Research and Extension Center. Uh, Ron, how you doing? I'm doing well Greg, thank you for having me today. That's great. Ron wrote this unbelievably, I'm going to put a link to it in the show notes uh, if you're listening on YouTube it'll be in the description box. Uh, an unbelievably thorough article on on garlic, start to finish. Basically, any almost any kind of question you could ask, it's, it's all covered in that article. And uh, in this interview, we're speaking to a lot of the things he talked about in that article. Of course, I'm going to ask him follow-up questions and things like that. So it's it's useful content in that sense. Uh, but I thought maybe we could start first, Ron, uh, by telling us a little bit about yourself, what you do there. And then also explain to the audience, because you're the first representative I've had here on the show, of what a university extension is. We don't have these in Canada. We may have things that are something like it, but we really don't have this fantastic service that uh, exists in the United States. Cause, so can you talk about those two things for us? Sure. Uh, yeah, it, we're a little bit different than, than you are in Canada. You don't have the same system set up that we do. Uh, first of all, the Southwest Michigan Research and Extension Center is in the very southwest corner of Michigan, just uh, around the lake from Chicago. Uh, so you can't get a whole lot further south or, or west, and at least in the lower, lower peninsula, than where I am right now. And it's a, a research station that uh, has fruit, vegetables, and a little bit of other things uh, along with it, but primarily fruits and vegetables. And my responsibility there is working with the vegetable crops. Um, doing field-oriented research as well as extension education. Uh, all of that's considered extension within our system. And the whole, whole idea of extension is to take what uh, ex ex researchers have found and then be the conduit that moves it to the grower community, whether that be the commercial grower community, homeowner community, doesn't matter, uh, either one. That's great. I mean, this, I'm always uh, directing people to, if they've got a question to, when they, when they do a Google search, to type like, you know, Fusarium Wealth, for instance, and then just type the word extension. <laughs> and chances are, you're going to get uh, something written by someone at one or more than one university extension. It's great because you can compare the, the content sort of thing. But uh, I think it's just a fantastic service that you have. Um, so... In terms of this uh, uh, issue of garlic, I guess the first topic we, we want to get into is soft neck versus hard neck. What's the difference and why would a person want to choose one over the other? Well, the, the soft neck uh, is the typical, well, in the U.S., what we call the California type garlic, uh, where it, it uh, has a, a, a soft, soft neck to it. You know, it's, it's, I can't say it any differently. Where a, a hard neck is where that's the garlic that produces the scape. Uh, it, all the cloves in a hard neck are arranged like the pieces of a pie uh, around the, that scape. And that scape is what is going to shoot up uh, here in my area. It will shoot up through the plant all oh, end of May, uh, mid-May, uh, end of May. And then it will start to grow. It'll come up and form that curly cue, that little pig's tail thing that, that is common, and then it'll straighten back out. Um, and that's what causes that hard that uh, hard neck, it's called. The soft necks don't do that. They don't produce that to escape. They don't that will have the what would be a flower on the tip. Uh, the differences uh, between them is that the soft neck, the cloves, kind of overlap one another. They're not arranged in the piece, like pieces of a pie. And as you get closer to the center of that bulb, the, the cloves get smaller and smaller. Yes. And as a result, and some of them, you end up saying, I'm not going to mess around with this little tiny piece of garlic to peel it. And you end up you know, throwing a quarter of it away because you don't want to mess with it anymore. Uh, the other differences are is that the soft neck is not as winter hardy as what the, the hard necks are. 
Uh, and so in, in places like Canada, uh, where winters can be harsh, uh, you probably want to do that. You probably want to have a, a hard neck uh, because you want to have that hardiness. Uh, other aspects is that the, the soft neck in general has more yield than what the hard necks do. Uh, hard necks are hard to braid if you want to braid them. Uh, with the uh, so with the soft necks, you would get more more weight per garlic. Uh, you get more usable. Uh, yeah, you get with the soft necks, you get more more. I guess you'd call it weight. Uh, like I said, some of those clothes you end up not using anyway because they end up being so small. Yeah. Why would the uh, home gardener want to choose one over the other? Um, aside from climate, like let's aside well. It depends on what you want to do with it. You know, if you're if you're interested in selling braids or making braids for ornamental purposes, then you'd want to go with a, a soft neck. Okay. Um, you'd probably have to protect it more in the winter time uh, with mulch, uh, or depending on how much the snow level you get. You know, snow itself can be a pretty good uh, winter protection. Yeah. Um, there are some some like Polish soft neck is a variety that is a soft neck that does have some winter hardiness to it. So if you're in an area where you uh, do have some harsh winters, you might want to try that one as a, as a variety. So it all depends what, you, what, what your end goal is with that garlic. If you just want garlic for home consumption, I would just stick with the hardnecks. They, do they store better or do they both have similar storage? Oh, they both store fairly well. Store well. All right. Uh, in terms of uh, propagation, when you have a garlic, you can, you can break up the cloves and, and plant them, which is what I do. Um, but the uh, the scape produces this this flower-like thing. It's not a flower bulbul, and uh, you can plant those, and they'll make garlic. But uh, you know, um, why would something? Mean, most people plant the cloves, and when you when you buy garlic at a store, you or, or buy garlic at a garden center to plant, you're buying the you're buying the cloves. Why would someone want to use the bulbuls? Why, I mean, people have suggested. I get lots of comments all the time. People say, "Oh, do this or do that. Try this, try that." I tried it once, and what I got when I planted the bulbuls was unbelievably small garlic. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's what you have to be careful. You have to realize that you're probably two years away from something that is usable, um, because when you plant those bulbuls, uh, number one, if you let that scape form those bulbuls, and well, let me back up a little bit, uh, the hardnecks will will try to flower. Uh, and that's what that, that scape is. That scape will come up and at the very tip, you'll see the, the flower or what would be a flower. Uh, and then the flowers that are in there abort and then they form these little bulbils. Those bulbils are clones of that garlic plant. Okay, so you're essentially propagating clones. Now they're really small. They store fairly well. And so you can store them, you know, wherever it's cool and dry. Uh, and then you can plant them, but they will be small. And so what you're gonna to have to do is plant them for another year. Uh, and so you're two years away from garlic. Uh, advantages are, is that if you have uh, uh, disease, uh, I do believe uh, that uh, some of the uh, viruses that might get into garlic do not go into the ball bills. Okay, so that could be a an advantage of having those is you clean up your garlic by planting those bulbils. But again, you're two years away from anything that is essentially usable. When, when you say two years, you, you don't mean you put it in the ground and two years later, you've got this big garlic. No, no, you've got to, you have to harvest it. And like you, like you found, it's going to be small and you're not going to have something that's usable and you then replant that the following fall. Plant the largest of those small ones. Right. Keep doing that. Eventually you'll get back to a certain size. Correct. But what you're going to get is the same thing you had before. Correct. Right. But uh, another advantage, I suppose, would be that if you, let's say I planted, I got planted 250 garlic this year. Uh, and I save my own seeds. And I think, I'm, I think I'm probably to a point now where I don't need to buy any more garlic. I can just use my, uh, use my, a portion of my cloves, about a third of them or whatever, whatever the one, I think I get about five cloves per head. So a fifth of my garlic go back in the ground sort of thing, and I can perpetuate 250 garlic a year. Um, but let's say someone was starting to garden and they didn't have a lot of money, um, they could certainly use the bulbuls and you, know, you get like, I don't know, what is it, 50 on a header? <laughs> oh yeah, you get quite a few. 
So it'd be, it would be a very cheap way to to build up a garlic garden, but it not not an expedient way, that's for sure. I like yeah. the idea of the uh, you know if you've got some sort of pathogen pathogen like a white rot uh, in your soil, so maybe you you take the bulldoze and plant them in another location while you wait out the uh, white rot. That's another we're got, we don't want to talk about white right, white rot yet. That's a topic lower on, but um, yeah, that would, that would be one strategy, assuming it's not in in that part of the plant, which uh, no reason to think it would be. Uh, okay, uh, another question I just had, this is an odd one here, is just the idea of uh, what an odd uh, what an odd feature for a plant to have to not to not flower. It's, it seems odd to me that there's so many different kinds of garlic, but they're not cross pollinating. Uh, it's, it's hard to understand how something that's been cloning for a long time would somehow uh, result in different varieties. Um, do you have any idea, <laughs> any ideas to throw out there how that's possible? Well, uh, nature's not always 100% accurate, and so mistakes happen. Mutations occur, things change. Um, Plus, uh, growing the same garlic in different uh, situations could give different qualities to it as well. I know different soil types, different climate types could give it different qualities. But I think probably what has happened is that over time, like I said, things change. Uh, mutations happen and spontaneous mutations happen. And so uh, you, you plant out, you know, a string of, of garlic. Of, you know, you've got, like you say, you five cloves. And then you know that from those five cloves, they're all the same, the same garlic, but you had one that is different. And so something happened within the genetics of that one that allowed you to uh, notice the difference and then you could select that and start growing it differently. But yeah, you're right. There is a wide range of, of uh, garlic types out there, whether it's color, uh, hotness, spiciness, size. Uh, there's all different kinds of things out there. So things have happened over time as, as man has selected those various things. You know, we're, we're very keen observers. Uh, and what we what we like, what we don't like, and so and if anything's any different, and we say, oh, that's different, and we'll grab a hold of it if we like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm so glad that, that people have done this. <laughs> yeah, and that those, all those reasons make sense to me. Okay, what about uh, the soil type? Is is there an ideal soil type for perpetuating garlic? I mean, my my soil is uh, basically uh, the existing soil was clay, clay and rocks. <laughs> Maybe two inches of, you know, an inch or two of, you know, uh, broke, you know, uh, whatever topsoil, but really clay and rocks. And then I just added a whole bunch of horse manure to it and I, I mulch it every year. So it's a good portion of the soil now is some combination of composts, worm castings, and in with the existing soil. So uh, it's highly organic, I guess, in a sense uh, now. Um, but, uh, yeah, what's what's the ideal soil for growing? I don't know what the ideal is. I just work with what I got here. What's the ideal soil take for for growing that nice big fat garlic? Uh, well, the ideal uh, soil type would first thing would be uh, well drained. Okay? You don't want something that is not well drained in terms of water. Uh, and clay usually is at the the uh, poor end of not being very well drained. Yeah, I'm I'm dead certain that my garlic are packed in ice. Like basically, it's it's a weird weird ecology here, where not ecology climate here, where uh, it can get down to minus 20 C um, in the winter. Um, but there's days where it warms up and it rains and all the snow melts. So we don't have a nice covering of snow here, um, despite the fact that it can get quite cold. Um, so you'll get some snow and then it'll rain and then it'll freeze and then you get a bit more snow and then it'll rain and it'll freeze. So I'm pretty sure my garlic are just, just I, I, I don't, I know, <laughs> I know my garlic are packed in ice all winter long. Uh, I'm always amazed that they can somehow come back after that. <laughs> well, the, the thing about being in the ground, which, you know, they're, they're probably four inches in the ground, that ground doesn't get as cold as what the air does. And so you're, you know, if, if that gets down to oh, probably minus 2C, uh, that ground, it's probably as cold as it's going to get, you know, maybe minus 4. Yeah. And garlic can handle that. Um, you know, when people think of garlic, 
Uh, they have to have a similar mindset as uh, daffodils, tulips, crocus, you know, all those spring bulbs. Because that's what, that's what garlic is, it's a spring bulb planted in the fall. Yeah. Uh, and, and so they can withstand a fair amount of abuse during the non-growing season. But once the season starts, you know, they don't like to have wet feet. Um, not only do they not grow well there, but also encourages some of the, the root rots that are common to that whole allium group. Uh, and, and so it's something that you want to avoid. You want to avoid the, the poor, drained, poor drained areas. Now, after that, uh, it's going to be like any other crop. It's going to like uh, a, a sandy loam, uh, if you can get it, you know, pH of 6, 2, or thereabouts. The nice thing about homeowner garlic is that, you know, it's not like you're, you're planting, you know, multiple square meters of these things. You know, you're, you're, you're planting maybe two or three square meters for your own use. And so you can do exactly what you did, and that is amend the soil to the point where uh, it is well-drained. Even if you're on top of the clay, you can uh, amend it. And oh, maybe, you know, four inches, my beds are about four inches above grade, just a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, and, and so you can do a lot just to to make it so you can grow garlic uh, in the, on a small scale. So in terms of uh, when to plant, I guess for, for this question, we'll have to speak to both soft neck and hard neck. But yeah, when, when you're planting garlic, when's the idea? I guess it would depend on your growing zone as well. But, it, you know, I guess you can use general rules of thumbs and people can move this forward or back depending on where they are. But yeah. Uh, soft neck and hard neck, when to, when to sow, when to plant? Uh, plant, plant at the same time. Um, you know, a good rule of thumb is to plant them six weeks before your ground freezes. Okay, so that's when you're going to have to, you know, in my area, that would be, oh, early November uh, for me. Um, the, the unfortunate thing is that I, what I've noticed is that in, again in my area is that the time they have garlic bulbs to plant is in the springtime and yeah the garden centers sell them yeah yeah that's crazy and i i talked to him i said this is not the time to plant garlic and they just say well this is the time that they send it to us that's i said we're well, not here but but they send do people will buy them that day. i get questions yeah. all the time my garlic aren't growing yours is oh yeah what am i doing wrong so when did you plant it oh last week oh. yeah it, it's uh and it's very disappointing if you plant them then. And I don't know why they do that because they, you know, they have daffodils and tulips and crocus and all the other uh, spring flowering bulbs in, in the fall. So why can't they just put garlic in there? Yeah. <laughs> and, and so that's the time that, that you need to plant it. It's like, like I said, six weeks or so before your ground freezes. And that's a good rule of thumb no matter where you are. You know, your ground freezes in your area probably so two or three weeks ahead of, ahead of me. Um, the thing that you want to try to avoid is uh, there's there's some little bit of a discussion on this disagreement I guess is that you really don't want a whole lot of growth in above the soil in the fall because they will start to grow and a lot of people say well that's just wasted energy because it's going to get burned off in the in the uh, uh, winter time anyway uh, so basically the the goal is to get some root growth in the fall. And that's why you don't fertilize them a great deal in the fall because all you want is a little bit of root growth to get them anchored, to get them growing, uh, get them set for the winter. Uh, most of the time, if you do get some growth above ground, you've either had a mild fall, you know, longer than normal, or you planted them too early. You know, if you, if you get, you know, three, four inches of growth uh, above the ground, then you probably say, okay, I need to back off. I need to plant about, you know, 10 days later than I did. Is there um is there an advantage to, I, mean, I pretty much plant them just like, I plant them around uh, Canadian Thanksgiving, um, so, which is about six weeks before the soil starts to freeze and heave and that sort of stuff. But, you know, I usually plant them over the course of about two weeks. I don't do it all in one day. Um, but I've heard uh, some other, you know, like Lee, Lee Reich is a, a gardening book author that I've had on the show. And I think he, he suggests planting them more, and it is in a, he's in a growing zone similar to mine. Um, he suggests planting them earlier than I do. Um, and the argument is that you get this uh, additional root growth, root, de root development. Uh, I know if I plant them at the end of September, they're, they're going to come out of the ground before everything freezes. 
And you wonder, like, is it six of one, half a dozen of the other? So, I mean, yeah, that that part grows and then it dies and maybe even makes the plant more susceptible to disease. I don't know. But then you have these much more established roots. Have you, have you read anything about one, you know, these, this, is, there, is there a debate? I see that that's where the disagreement come, comes in. Like I said, um, you know, I look at it from more of a plant physiology standpoint and saying that, yeah, you're just wasting energy by letting something grow up and then having it burned off. That makes sense. Uh, but and also you're going to get root growth uh, even on days when, when it's cold outside, you know, those roots will continue to grow. Uh, and so I don't know, um, I don't think anybody's ever done any kind of study to, to determine that, uh, which is better. Right. And maybe having a whole bunch of roots out there when everything freezes isn't necessarily good either. Um, well, uh, maybe, maybe not, you know, lots of times when you have a, a good root mass, when the air temperature finally does, uh, get suitable for the top growth, then that top growth has a lot more roots to pull nutrients and moisture from and allows that top to grow much faster. Yeah. Maybe I should do a bit of, I mean, you can never do a perfect experiment in a setting like this because every one of my garden beds is different in some way, um, you know, relative to light and relative to moisture and relative to soil type because they're all different. Well, and, and the other aspect is that every, every fall is different. You know, the weather is never consistent. But we need to do one bed where I plant the plant middle of September and then do another bed where I plant them around the, around the uh, middle of October then have another bed where I plant around the, the very end early you know sort of November and, and then remember which one I did which two and then you know uh, again uh, whether one got better results than the other at the uh, end of the following season there's other competing explanations <laughs> I still couldn't rule out uh, I still couldn't establish a good cause but we need experiments to do. Before we move off, off of planting, Greg, I don't know yeah, what no. your next topic is, is that if anybody is growing any amount of garlic, uh, you know, to a commercial scale, is that they really need to pre-order their garlic uh, by June. Um, you know, they can't wait until you know, a month before they plant and think they're going to be able to find several thousand cloves of garlic out there. So you know, <laughs> they, they need to to get it by, by June so that the seed supplier knows that they want it. That's a good point. Uh, in terms of soft neck versus hard neck, um, do, do you plant the soft neck? I don't know, I've never planted them before. Do you plant them in the fall? Yeah, same thing. Yeah. Plant them in the fall. I tried planting, uh, I did a, a video uh, where I tried planting uh, Chinese, you know, the really cheap uh, rooster brand. I don't want to get sued by a rooster brand, but anyway, I tried. Uh, planting the, the, you know, there's different kinds of garlic you can buy in the store. You can buy the organic ones that are about a dollar each. And then you can buy the Chinese garlic, but you get three for a buck, which is probably what most people do. And then I thought, well, the big complaint about them is uh, if you read the literature on these things, you, you'd think they had uh, everything in them under the sun, the most toxic substance on earth. Um, I'm inclined to think it's not quite that bad. But anyway, people will say they, they won't sprout they won't do this, they won't do that. So I said, why don't I just plant them and see what happens? Um, and of course they, they sprouted and they rooted and they started to grow. But then the following uh, spring, and they were soft neck garlic, I, I mulched them, I put a three inch mulch over them. And the following spring, um, they, they just didn't look right to me. And I got totally nervous that I'd brought something into my garden uh, and I pulled them all out. Oh, what did they look like? Tell me. They, uh, they just didn't look healthy. Like they were being attacked by, um, they were being attacked by snails and slugs, which never attack garlic greens. They were being attacked mercilessly by snails and slugs. When I pulled the roots, uh, when I pulled the bulbs out, there was little like maggots in with them. Um, and I just got, I didn't want to see the thing through. I didn't want okay. to, I was worried about white rot really. Yeah, you must have fed onion maggots in there. Um, I just got rid of the whole thing, and, and I, I, I basically quarantined that bed as a non-garlic bed, a non-onion, a non-onion, a non, a non, <laughs> a non, a non bed for the next seven years or whatever, because I got completely uh, freaked out that I brought something in that was going to ruin my whole garlic operation. But, but that brings up another point about uh, planting, in that you, you don't want to your planting stock can't be what you buy from the grocery store yeah. um, because that that's been stored for human consumption oftentimes has been stored at a very low temperature, uh, you know, two degrees uh, 
Celsius kind of temperature, one, two degrees. You don't want that uh, because that changes the physiology of that bulb. And a lot of people probably that's what they do is they just go out and buy some in the grocery store, bring it home and plant it. And they're not going to be very happy with that. You need to plant garlic that has been stored as plant plantable garlic at a much higher temperature than, than that, more like uh, 10 to 12 degrees C. Yeah, that's kind of what mine, I mean, I, I, the ones I store, I, I dry them out um, and then I just put them in a cardboard box on the floor of my garage and leave them like that till late October sort of thing, just like you're saying, you know, around 12 C sort of thing. Um, oh, we're still on this issue of soft neck and hard neck though, so I, I got off on a tangent. The soft neck garlic, do you, do you plant them at the same time? you plant them in the fall? Uh, that's what I've done with mine, and I've had no issues with it. Now, I'm not out in California, so I'm not exactly sure what the California system is. Uh, but a lot of these bulbs will need to go through a cold period uh, and so to be able to, to continue to grow well. And so planting them in the fall is uh, what I've always done. Do you have any idea why they seem to need this, this dormancy or cold period? They need to grow a bit, then stop, and then other than that's just what they're adapted to. But... Well, that's, you bring up a much larger physiological question of, of uh, the temperate zone plants as to, you know, why do we need this cold period to flower? Or why do we, um, because the plants that grow in the north will not grow well in the south because they don't get enough um, cold temperatures down there. You know, we need to have, you know, between 800 and 1200, 1500 hours of below of between between 32 and 45 that's that's Fahrenheit so I don't know what, what that translates into centigrade and you've got to have those temperatures uh, to be able to allow something to continue to grow now it's just an adaptation to the temperate zone climate now Canada Canada is an east-west country uh, so is the United States but we have more north-south uh, changes than what you do so you know a lot like I said a lot of things that will do well in the north will not do well down south and vice versa yeah yeah, you definitely have a broader range of, of that. You know, I mean, Canada's uh, ge ge geographically, it's it's huge, but everybody lives close to the state. That's right. <laughs> Ninety percent of the population is around the border there because it just becomes uh, more and more uh, cold and inevitable the further north you go. Um, all right, so six weeks. Uh, I even wrote down six weeks as a rule of thumb. Um, now, when you're planting. Uh, in terms of everybody wants to get these big, impressive garlic. I mean, even if you're not, uh, I mean, I don't sell anything, so I'm not a, you know, uh, I'm not a producer or anything like that, but I, I just like the, you know, the bigger the, the, the bulb is, the easier the garlic is to use for food preparations, just easier to deal with. Correct. I like getting big bulbs, aside from you can show off and, you know, give them to someone almost as a way of saying, hey, look how big my garlic is. But other than the showing off and the bragging part of it, and uh, let's just say practicality, it's just easier to use for food preparation. Um, how do you, what's the best way to ensure a large bulb? And in terms of um, which bulbs or which cloves you're choosing to plant? Okay. Uh, first of all, choose those cloves that, that show no signs of diseases of any kind, because you know, sometimes you can see them right on the, the cloves and the seed pieces. Uh, so choose those. Uh, but there is a direct correlation between the size of the clove that you plant and the bulb that you're going to get from that clove. And so what you can easily do is come up with uh, some kind of a shaker sieve kind of mechanism with a screen, you know, some hardware cloth screen where you can say, okay, th these are the size of the cloves that I want. And then you can just put all your, you know, break your pieces apart and put them through that, that shaker screen and anything that falls through is what you're going to plant for your bulb garlic. Right. That doesn't mean that you throw the others away because no. they're still good. Uh, what I have done and what I encourage people to do, especially if they go to farmer's markets and that kind of thing is to plant those smaller cloves, plant them thicker, uh, you know, don't plant them the four inches apart, plant them maybe two inches apart and grow what I call green garlic. You know, just like you have green onions uh, that you can buy in the grocery store, uh, you can grow green garlic. It's a very nice product uh, that you would harvest and, and bunch, just like bunching onions, green bunching onions, uh, and sell it uh, for culinary uses. Uh, it's pretty mild at that, at that stage. Uh, you're going to sell it before it bulbs. So this is sometime 
uh, between when the plants start to grow in late May. Right. Uh, we're going to start uh, to sell these and put them in bunches of three, four, or five, uh, and then use it in uh, salads. Use it, uh, it not only does it become a flavoring at that point, but it also becomes a, a visual uh, appeal to the dish. Uh, because you'll have these pieces of garlic in there and you can use the you know the whole thing just like you use a green onion yeah i certainly do something i mean i at the end of the season but when i'm harvesting my garlic i lay them all out and i pick the biggest ones and those are my seed garlic and i eat everything that isn't big also when i'm planting my garlic uh, i have a little bowl usually nearby and anything that's not big goes in the bowl and that's food uh, so i just eat all the small ones and plant all the big ones and um, and just seem to get consistently, you know, bigger garlic. Uh, although I'm, I'm sure you couldn't, you know, there's got to be a limit to that. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I can get, my, my biggest bulbs might be four inches around. That's a music garlic. That's, you know, those are the largest ones. That's a nice size, that's a nice size bulb. But I, I, I don't, you could get, I mean, eventually, what would people going to have garlic besides pumpkins? I mean, there must be a limit. To oh, there's a limit. Yeah, probably four inches is about as big as you're going to get. Yeah, so, but they're not all like that, you know, but I do get some. I, I usually show at least one of those on my YouTube channel so I can sort of get the be credit uh, <laughs> as, as someone who knows something about garlic. Um, oh, in terms of uh, uh, inputs and soil, soil needs and that sort of thing, uh, fertilization and water, I mean, I, I don't use any fertilizer and I don't water mine at all, but for, for, the, for the sake of people listening that, that use that sort of approach, uh, what, 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 what do they need? Well, uh, uh, fertilizing in a sense that you're using some some compost and some manures, right? Yeah, sorry, it's, it's, I, I just I just use um, uh, I just mulch the bed and the okay. mulch composts and the mulch. Okay, so you probably probably have something in there. Uh, so you probably get a little. Uh, you know, kind of like it's compost because the mulch becomes the mulch composts over time. So that is the fertilizer, and it's it's just rained in and worked in with worms and that sort of thing. So okay. Okay, so so you are getting something. Yes. Um, not doing nothing. <laughs> okay. All right, but people are going to have to be careful uh, as far as you know, this is not something that you want to put uh, manures on. You know, it's going to have to be uh, well composted because you're actually going to you know eat the portion that's going to be around the uh, where the manure is. You know, it's not like tomatoes where the, the fruit is up above the ground or corn where it's you know way up above the ground. Uh, so you got to be very careful how you how you. Uh, use manures around this crop. Right. Uh, so you don't want to put any fresh manures down. It's got to be well composted. Uh, disease, does you run the risk of, uh, of disease in the, in the bulb from manure? Is it more like a human consumption pathogen? Well, it's, it's, all, it's a whole E. coli issue. Uh, you know, because uh, animal manures can have E. coli in it, and that's where, that's where we get uh, E. coli poisoning usually is from uh, manures. Salmonella could be an issue too, but with manures, it's mostly E. coli. Uh, and so you want to be careful with that. Um, uh, for fertilizing garlic, you can really look at it in, in two two ways. Um, you want to put a little bit down uh, in the fall. Uh, you're not asking for a lot of top growth, so you want just root growth. Uh, and so you're going to put down just kind of a well-balanced, uh, you know, NPK uh, fertilizer, probably not more than 15 pounds of N. Uh, per acre right. um, when it comes to how much you're going to put down then because you're not going to get a whole lot of growth. You don't want top growth and your nitrogen is going to contribute to your top growth. Yeah. What you want is encouraged uh, root growth. And then in the following spring, when you when the garlic starts to wake up, which is going to be March sometime, that's when you're going to want to put on more of your nitrogen uh, at that time because that's when your top growth is going to occur. Uh, and so Really, you don't want to put on more than a total of 60 uh, pounds of actual and 80 pounds max, maybe. You're, you're talking per acre, right? Per acre, correct. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I don't, again, I don't know how that translates uh, in kilograms per hectare. <laughs> so I, I'm, talking, I'm talking pounds per acre. Uh, you know, my mind doesn't work fast enough to, to switch it over to uh, kilograms per hectare. How would we uh, translate that for the home gardener? Because no one's doing an acre. Oh, no one's doing an acre? Um, home gardener, I, I own two acres of land, and uh, I use a quarter of it. Inclu that's including where my house is. The rest is just trees. Yeah. 
And I have a, as big a garden as I get, like a you know almost three thousand square foot garden, and I I can't do any more. This is as, as much garden as I can handle with a full time job. You know, a lot of, here in the states, a lot of them will will talk about uh, how many pounds or, or units per thousand square feet. Right. So it's going to be similar to what you have in Canada. You have to figure out yeah. units per kilo, um, square meter, you know, something like that, and then just go go from there. Right. Uh, so, and I, I guess I don't I don't do higher math on on the spot either these days. You know, I'm getting too old for that. <laughs> anyway, the main point is that uh, not so much in the fall. Right. Not yep. so much nitrogen in the fall. Yeah. And you can actually split the applications in the springtime too. You know, some just as they're waking up, and then some in mid-May right. uh, when when they're about ready to bulb. You know, once they bulb, uh, they're not going to put much more plant growth on. And the whole idea be behind a lot of the alliums that you're growing, onions and garlic, is that the the bigger the plant going into that bulbing phase, the bigger your bulbs are going to be. So if you can produce a big plant prior to bulbing, it's going to get that bulbing signal sometime in, in May, late May, May 20th or thereabouts. As the days get longer, uh, our northern season garlic and northern season onions uh, get that signal to bulb. And once they bulb, they don't put any more energy into, or minimal energy into the plant itself. They put their energy into the bulb. And so if you've got a, a large plant, prior to that signal, then you're going to end up with a correspondingly larger bulb. When does the plant start to bulb relative to uh, the, the, like for a hard neck anyway, this escape formation, is it? About the same time because uh, you know, it, it, that escape actually starts forming and then grows really fast. You know, if anybody has grown garlic, you can yeah. see how fast that escape grows. And you're removing the scapes here. We, we removed ours two weeks ago. So mid-June is typically when we remove ours. Um, and, and so it's about the same time. When, uh, I guess that, that's perfect segue to the next topic anyway, um, in terms of when to harvest escapes, like what's the best, when to harvest escapes and to, to your knowledge is, is that, does harvesting, what, what effect does harvesting escapes have on the, the resulting uh, bulb production? Uh, typically they say that, that if you leave the escapes on, you sacrifice about 30% uh, of your total bulb weight uh, and so unless you're wanting those bulb bills for for uh, propagation there's no reason to leave that scape on no and you can eat them anyway so oh yeah yeah I think they're a fantastic product um, you know a lot of Anglos don't know what to do with them but if you have the right uh, Asian ethnic groups around you know, they will really long to have them uh, but the, the scape the scape will, will start to form and it'll form that curly cue uh, and then that curlicue will straighten back out. And you want to get it just as it forms that curlicue. If you get it when it straightens back out, then it's too tough to use. Right. Uh, it's really woody and fibrous and you can't use it. But as soon as they come out and start to, start to curl, uh, you can either cut them off or what a lot of people like to do is uh, if you're, you got to hang on to your plant as well, but just to pull them out. Because when you pull them out, they will snap off about three inches. Many of them, anyway, will snap off about three inches down inside the, the plant. And then that there'll be about a three-inch blanched section of that scape. And that's what uh, a lot of the Asian populations are looking for. So you, you would hold the garlic stalk. I've never tried this. I just cut them. So you would hold the garlic stalk, and then you'd grab the scape and just sort of gently pull, and it should... Gently pull. Yep. And it'll, it'll snap. Really? Okay. And it'll... Oftentimes they will snap down inside the where where they originated, right. and then when you pull that out, uh, you'll have about a two to three inch section that's white because it's never been exposed to the sun, right. and that's what a lot of Asian populations are looking for the, the, the how white that is. But you got to be careful because you don't want to you want to make sure you hang on to your plant because some of them you could actually pull the the plant out of the ground too early. You don't want to do that. Um, but that, that scape does have a market. You know, you can use it, like you say. You can chop it up, use it in salads. Uh, you can make garlic pesto out of it, a great product. Um, I've used it as a coating for a grill, for barbecuing. You know, mix it with some olive oil and, and put it on chicken breast, oh. turkey breast. That's really good. 
Yeah, I, I make a, I mainly because I have so many. You know, basically, in a two-week span, you've got all of it, and it's all going to come out. Yeah. So I'll, the majority of it becomes pesto because I can put that in the freezer, and it, it stores really well. And I put it in these little uh, sort of smaller mason jar, like the one, the two, 250 mil mason jar. And I find it doesn't uh, – I have a kind of funny way of making the pesto. But anyway, it, it doesn't freeze and crack the jar. And so I just – that's – you know, and I – Around that time of year, around now, I also have a lot of uh, oregano in my garden. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's like salt, oregano, garlic, oil, and lemon. And, a, you know, in a Cuisinart, in a food processor, it's not very sophisticated. Uh, it's just a, something I made up sort of thing, but it, it works. And that's basically, if you're going to make any sort of pasta or anything like that uh, during the year, you just throw a couple heaping tablespoons of that in and you're in flavor country. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's fantastic. It's an easy way to store it. Um, so, uh, okay. So 30%, I can't believe that's, 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 that's pretty impressive. You know, 30%. Yeah. It's, it's like really is a, is a drag on the bulb making process. You know, plant plants only have so much energy to partition. Okay. And if you, give them what they think is that flower because that's what it, 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 the plant has that idea that it is a flower that's producing seed, which it is. Yeah. It's hedging its yeah. pets. It's doing both. It's doing the thing below and the thing above. It's- yeah. It can only do one well. All right. And it's always going to uh, partition energy to the next generation, uh, so to speak, than it is to the current generation. Right. And I usually, and for me, I take that the first, <clears throat> first loop so it, it you know the scape comes up goes down comes back up for me i i, I found that 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 first loop you know you want to get them out by then because once every every loop that's added it gets a bit tougher yes right yep. those that are listening that's i don't know yep. what you think of that but for me that's a in one loop you, you know if you take it before you get the loop you don't get as much scape <laughs> that's right maybe you don't want as much i don't know but and maybe it's better just to take it when it's straight but i for me it's like the, the loop is the deadline. <laughs> Once you see that loop, that, okay, I guess I'm staying up tonight and dealing with all this. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can put it in the refrigerator for a day yeah, or something. Buy yourself a little time. That's right. Yeah. Uh, let, let me back up uh, in the process a, a little bit when, you know, uh, the mulching process. We didn't talk about mulching. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And uh, again, that's one of those things that is, is a little disagreement there as to whether or not you, you need or should mulch. Uh, and that could be a, another test that you could do. Uh, mulching is, is for winter protection, basically. And so, like you say, you're going to put three to three or so inches of mulch, which you're going to start with six, and then that's going to settle down to your three inches. Uh, if you're in an area that gets uh, adequate snow cover, you may not want to do that. You may not need to do that. Uh, but again, I, w- I would do some experimenting before I just left all my garlic out there bare. Uh, in, in my case, uh, I didn't... Um, mulch it um, because I just uh, the whole idea was to make it commercial and if you've got five acres or ten acres of garlic you know it's hard to mulch that much so I just okay yeah let's see what happens um, anyway if you're going to mulch uh, it's, it's important that when the, the days start getting longer start getting warmer sunshine starts falling on the ground is to pull that mulch away from the, the plant itself so it can warm up the ground uh, because like I said earlier, the, the larger the plant, the larger the, the bulb. And if you don't allow the ground to warm up sooner, then you're going to inhibit the size of that, that bulb later on. So as soon as you get temperatures where you're not going to cause any damage, uh, pull the mulch aside, you know, use it to cover the middle of your rows so that you don't get weeds, but at least let the ground around the uh, garlic plant get warmed up so that it can start to grow better. I should try that as an experiment. I mean, I, I'm, every, every single bed in my garden is mulched all the time. Uh, I use a no-till gardening approach. And I, I, you know, I, I switched to that around 2011, I think, and I've never really looked back. I don't, you know, it, it's uh, early July now. Last year, from the middle of July onward, I didn't water my garden once. It's just, you know, it, it saves so many uh, uh, problems. But I, I, don't, uh, I don't pull the mulch off my garden in the spring like you suggest, and I, I should – probably do that because i i have found that um the mulch you know the, the soil freezes and the the mulch does a weird thing in the fall 
it delays the freezing of the soil. Mm -hmm. You get an extra month sometimes. Uh, and I've done uh, videos where I've gone around with a, with a big uh, wooden stick and tried to see what's frozen and how deep the freezing mulched, unmulched, uh, double mulch, double mulch with cardboard over the top and sugar on top and, you know, all these sorts of things to see how long can I keep the soil from freezing up. Eventually it all freeze up, freezes up unless you've got an incredible amount of mulch on top. But I don't remove the mulch uh, in the, basically I mulch it in the fall and I don't do a damn thing until I pick them. I don't do anything. Um, but I should try pulling some of the mulch off in one of my beds to, to, to hasten the thaw out of the soil, as you suggest. Um, it wouldn't be too much work to take it off and put it back on, on the scale I'm gardening on. I mean, a bed for me means a four by eight or four by 10 space. So it would take, take a couple minutes to pull that off. Yeah, yeah give it a try. Yeah, because I mean, Maybe I could get a four and a half inch garlic. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, okay, let's talk about. Uh, 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 oh, and also, when to, when to uh, when to harvest the bulbs? What signs should people be looking for when they basically start pulling bulbs? When I run out of garlic scapes, I mean, this is my food. This is my garlic. Once the garlic scapes uh, appear, I stop buying garlic. To you know, in the store, I, I usually run out of garlic. April. Um, maybe March or April, I run out of my shaved garlic and I have to buy garlic in the store. And when my escapes show up, I stop buying garlic and escapes are my garlic. And then when escapes are done, I start pulling garlic. You know, I don't pull them wholesale. I just pull them as I need them for cooking. Um, but then there's a time of the year where, okay, it's time to get all that garlic out of the ground. So what, what should people be looking for when it's time to get all that garlic? Let, let's, let's get them out of the ground. Okay. Uh, good question. Um, for for our answer to that, one of the things that I've noticed in my garlic, and perhaps you might be able to confirm this, is that I've always, whenever I've grown garlic, I've never been able to stop the very tips of the leaves from turning yellow. That's right. Okay. No matter what I've tried, you know, I, I've tried to I put on foliar applications of, of a broad, you know, spectrum fertilizer, NPK plus micros, they still do it. So I don't think. Uh, anybody's going to be able to solve that because it just happens. And so what you're looking for uh, are, are two, two things. It depends on what you're, going to, what you're going to do with the garlic. If you're going to sell it, you want it to look good. If you're just going to use it for yourself, looking good doesn't matter. And so you're just, just after maximum yields. If maximum yields. <laughs> okay, if you're going to do it. Because uh, the garlic, if you just let it go until the whole thing is dried down, most of the time, the skins around the clothes will split. That's right. Okay, so it's not very attractive to sell. Yeah. Okay, if you're into the selling some of it, then you're going to, uh, when about half the leaves, you know, 50 to 70 percent of the leaves are starting to yellow and dry down, that's when you want to pull it and let it dry the rest. Because if you let it get much bigger than that, the cloves are going to expand to the point where the outer skins are going to crack and not be very attractive. Right, right, yeah, you get that nice uniform type skin. Right, and, and so you know, if you're going to sell it, you're going to harvest it at about 50 to 70% uh, dry down of the leaves. If you're going to use it just for yourself, just let it go until 100% dry down uh, and then pull it and, and finish the clothes drying down. It's not going to be very pretty, but you don't care. You're not going to sell it. How long is uh, too long to wait? How do you, like, what, what would be sort of a cutoff? I mean, I, I use a similar, you know, like when, when all the leaves are brown, um, but, you know, I have the, the odd time waited until the stock even sort of become nothing. I, I find when the stock's sort of done, it's a bit long, a bit too starting to put out all kinds of new roots and it's starting to become another kind of thing. But um, I've never really read too much about that. When, when is too late? Well, uh, as a food thing, I would say because just think about the garlic, what happens? You know, you, you plant it in, in October. Naturally, the garlic is just going to be there. And then those, you know, the, the annual cycle, those cloves will then sprout and put out more plants the following year. Mm -hmm. And so theoretically, you could keep it in the ground until uh, sometime in, in September when those clo individual cloves will then start putting out their own roots. Right. You know, the, the, the mother clove, if you want to call it that, that mother bulb is going to deteriorate and then those daughter cloves are going to put out their own roots. And that's going to happen sometime in September. 
And so anytime prior to that, you know, I would, I would think that by first of August, mid August, at least I wouldn't wait any longer than that. There's no point in waiting any longer if you're going to use it because they're not going to get any bigger. And once the plant dries down, uh, it's done. So you might as well get it out of the way. And it's just one more thing that you can put behind you because you've got other things ahead of you that you need to work on. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But also still, uh, certainly for here as well, you have the, uh, August here is drier than September, so you've got the advantage of the uh, the August uh, climate to dry them out. Whereas in September we start getting rain and it starts it's very short because we're near the coast. Uh -huh. Very short window of time where the weather doesn't suck. Okay, uh, let's move on to uh, pests and diseases. Um, what what problems can come up with garlic? Maybe start. What are the worst ones? I guess. Uh, well. First of all, the garlic is get basically all the same pests as what uh, uh, onions are going to get. So you're going to have uh, pink root. Uh, is going to be uh, most of the most of the severe problems, disease-wise, are the uh, the uh, soil diseases: pink root, fusarium, basil rot. Uh, that's why you would uh, rotate. To, to keep those things down and, and make sure that you don't rotate behind uh, your onions if you grow onions or mm -hmm. any other allium crop that you have, leeks. Uh, and, and so don't uh, follow them, follow something completely different, you know, lettuces, peas, you know, just something that is, is different. Uh, so those are gonna be your, your worst ones and you're going to be able to control those um, primarily through good rotation, uh, good soil drainage, uh, it's going to be a big issue. Mm -hmm. okay. um, you know, there are treatments that you can put on if you choose to go that route. Uh, fungicides that you could use. I'm not sure what's cleared in Canada mm -hmm. uh, to treat the seeds, uh, but that's that's something that could be done. But I would just start with uh, the easiest ones, and that is rotation and and uh, make sure that you have well drained soil. The other thing you do is put them in raised beds. Uh, you know, make the, the raised beds six, eight inches taller than the surrounding area just to get better drainage. Better drainage. What is, uh, is, is pink root, to, I mean, you didn't list white rot in that, in that group. What? Okay, that, that's an issue too. Pink root is, it's just, like I said, it gets, causes a pink root. And what, uh, and what, the, does it, does the plant die? Uh, it will, it, it uh, just injures the roots to the point where they can't take up nutrients and water. And so... Uh, bad enough, yes, it will die, but basically what they do is uh, will interfere with the bulb size. They just won't get as big of bulbs. And, and you don't want, the, the other thing is uh, for diseases anyway, is to start with, with clean material. You know, make sure that you you're, inspect your planting material to make sure that it doesn't have any issues on it. Certified seed garlic. Certified seed. What about, uh, I had a, fr a friend of mine, um, she had uh, I don't know how she got it. I think she may have used grocery store garlic, but she got white rot in her garlic. Okay, uh, that 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 could be too. Again, a lot of those are going to be drainage issues, rotation issues. He was asking me what to do about the white rot, and I didn't have any really good answers because uh, I think what I, I did some reading. It said something like it can persist in the soil for seven years without any alliums being. Oh yeah, a lot, a lot of these things. It, it's one of you know once you have them some of these soil-borne diseases, you never get rid of them. Okay. So that's why you want to be careful of where you get your seed. Uh, you, want, you know, if you have a friend that, that says, boy, I really got some nice seed garlic I'd like you to try, uh, sometimes you, you might just want to say, no, thank you. Uh, okay, just because you don't, you can't really be certain that it it's, doesn't have things because anything in, in that person's garden is going to come to your garden when you do that. Yep. Not a good idea. Uh, insect pests you're going to have, your, your friend already talked about uh, uh, probably what she had was uh, onion maggots. Right. Uh, you can tell maggots as opposed to larvae. Uh, maggots are just the larvae of flies, okay? Mm -hmm. And they have no legs. And that's how you can tell them differently than a beetle larva or any other larva. They, they will have legs. Right. Uh, onion maggots will not have legs. Um, what you can do about with those is uh, that's hard. Um, organically, they're 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 difficult. They they like it 
cool, the cool weather, which you have a lot of there in your climate. Uh, they're going to be a problem in spring, not in the, not in the summer. Uh, you can put netting over your planting if you want to just exclude the flies because they're going to look just like a house fly. What is this? Does the fly land on the shoot and lay the eggs and the eggs crawl down to the bulb? Usually they lay it on the soil around the bulb. Uh, yep. And then the, the egg will hatch and then the larva will crawl to the, the root. Huh. Okay. And lots of times they seem to be attracted to uh, weaker plants. And that's perhaps why, again, why your friend may have had that issue. That was, that was me that had that problem. Oh, you, oh, that's right. You had it. Okay. That's I was the idiot that did this. <laughs> okay. Chinese guy. <laughs> yeah. And, and so, somehow insects can, can detect um, damaged plants. And so that, that's one thing you could do is, is uh, put up a little trap uh, around, around it, you know, just mash up some, some garlic or some onions and so they can smell it. And, you know, trap them, you know, bring them to that area rather than uh, to your uh, garlic and your onions. So that's possible too. Right. Uh, other insects are going to get are thrips. Um, hard for a home gardener to deal with thrips. Mm -hmm. uh, hard to see them because they hide during the day. Uh, the the uh, symptoms that you're going to see is that on the leaves of your garlic or your onions, you're going to start seeing tan or brown flecking because uh, thrips eat by scraping the surface cells and so you're going to see start seeing some brown spots can you uh, uh, what's a thrip I just hope, i don't even know if i've got thrips uh, what is a thrip i don't even know what that uh, is it's a little tiny uh insect um how, how would i explain them they're very small what do they resemble uh thrips <laughs> okay uh, uh they're just a they're like i said they're only about an eighth of an inch long at the most and they will hide down into the cracks of your plants during the day mm -hmm. and then they come out more at night and so that's why you'll never see them during the day so you need to peel back some of the, the layers to be able to find them or you can take a piece of paper uh white or black and then shake the plant over that piece of paper and then take a hand lens and see if there's those little tiny insects that are crawling around. Them. Um, best thing I can tell you is just do a Google search on thrips and look, look at the uh, look at the pictures there. To what extent uh, would uh, I mean? There's one I don't use too many products in my garden, but I use uh, one of my sponsors, uh, Savers. Uh, they may have this. Uh, oh, it's like a pyrethrin, um, yeah. you know, insecticidal soap type. Yep. Those those will work. And it might even, you know, since it's a soap, it, it uh, doesn't, uh, surface tension is not very great. And so it could get down into the cracks in between the leaves as well. Yeah, so yep, and so, yep, so those pyrethroid soaps probably would be the best thing to do. Now, and what would someone, you were talking about pink, uh, pink root and white rot, for instance. Uh, what products would people use to, would you, would, are you just doomed? I mean, I, I read that if you could heat the soil up, you know, I, I thought maybe if you could put like plastic over the soil and just leave it like that for the whole summer and just cook the soil to death. Well, that, that's, yeah, that's called solarization. solarization. It works very well down in Florida and Georgia. Uh, where they okay. have sun. That's right. The angle of your sun is not going to be great enough to get the temperatures that you need for that. Uh, plus, you're taking that section of your garden out at the time when you're going to do it, when you when, when you want to grow things. Yeah, you're just mm -hmm. taking it rid of the equipment. And you're also killing just about, I mean, like, sure. roasting your soil, basically. Right, yeah. It, you know, anything that can move, you know, worms and other things will move, and they'll get out of the way. Yeah. But do down in southern U.S., where it works well, you know, it's too hot for them to grow things in July and August. So they use that hot time to solarize their soil. I can't imagine not growing anything in July or August. It's so, so different, eh? Well, well, they, they can't imagine not growing anything in, in February and March. Okay. <laughs> so uh, drying and storage. Uh, how do we go about uh, drying the garlic and storing it so that we can, you know, rely on having as much as, as possible and storing it well, uh, well into the winter and possibly into the spring? What's what's the best uh, best practices in that sense? Well, once you pull it up, uh, you can hang it uh, if you have the area to do that. The other thing that I've done is I just laid it out uh, where there's good air circulation. 
Uh, I would not on a trailer or you know someplace that, that's open. I would not put it in the sunshine, right? Um, because you're going to get some sunburn on on uh, on the cloves that because you got that clove that was under the ground that it was never exposed to the sun. And so once you bring it up and expose it to the sun, you can get some sunburn on. So I'll keep it in the shade, but just someplace that's well ventilated. Uh, the best way that, that I found to, to know whether or not it's ready to store is to uh, cut the stalk off of it. And if you pinch the end or the cut end of the, of the bulb and you still can get moisture out of it, then you're still not dry enough. That's you still good, need to, that's to, to dry it down some more. That's a good one. Yeah. That's a good tip. Um, and then in terms of, uh, uh, so, how long should you dry for, and then what's the best way to store it? Well, uh, how long to dry is going to depend on the humidity, you know, and the conditions that it's drying under. You know, some sometimes it may only take two, three days. You right. know, it depends on how how dry it was when you pulled it. Uh, in yes. some cases, it, it's pretty dry already. Other cases, you may have to wait longer. Uh, now, as far as storage, you're going to want to keep it uh, someplace where it's cool uh, and dry. Uh, you know, your, your basement is probably the best place. Um, that's what I do. Yep. Well, I guess uh, to your point about, you know, when to harvest them, um, I, I guess if you were harvesting them, uh, earlier to get that nice sort of look, they would take longer to dry than if you waited longer to harvest. Right. Yep. Right. That makes sense. Cause I noticed when you, when you wait really late, um, they, they're pretty much because it was, the stock isn't doing anything yeah. deep into August sort of thing. The stock's just done. Yeah, yeah you're, prob you're probably good enough that you could just, you know, cut the stalks off and, and put them in a mesh bag. You don't want to put them in a plastic bag, of course. Put them in a mesh bag where they can breathe well yeah. and then just hang them from the floor joists in your basement. Right. That's pretty much what I, pretty much what I do. I've, I've got, it's a garage, but it's like a basement sort of thing. Um, great. Well, Ron, I think we've, is there anything, anything else you might want to add? I think, I think we've covered just about everything I can think of, but is there anything else you might want to add? Well, I, I think the, the, the biggest thing that mistakes anyway, that, that first time garlic growers make okay. is what we already talked about. And that is they can only get the bulbs in the springtime and that's the worst possible time to plant. Uh, you know, if you're good, if you can only get them in the springtime, then what I would do is I would just take those bulbs and, and try to hang on to them until planting time in the fall. Okay. Um, and then the other mistake that, that garlic growers make is that they, if they're any size, they, they say, Oh, I want to get my, I want to plant, you know, a thousand cloves. Where do I get it? And they ask that, ask me that question in September. And I said, well, it's too late now. You know, you, you may, may be able to get leftovers and you might not get what you want, but you might get garlic. You, know, you need to order them in, in June, May and June, so that the seed producers know that you want them. Uh, the other issue we didn't talk about is in the States anyway, we're having an issue with uh, nematodes in our seed garlic. Yes, uh, that's not an issue here, but I know in Ontario that's becoming an issue as well. Yeah, and, and so you, again, go back to getting it from a, a reliable seed source, because um, that's really where it all starts. Right. And if you get uh, good seed to begin with, you can do exactly what you do, and that is to save your own seed. Uh, don't accept uh, clothes from other people unless you can you know, really verify that they're top notch and you're not going to get any kind of other diseases from them. Right. Uh, and you know, it's not that you're selfish, it's not that you're uh, unfriendly, it's just that you don't want to bring into your garden something that's not there. Right. Uh, and could be there for the, the rest of your life. Yes, yes. So, uh, yeah, keep other people's filthy, dirty, disgusting garlic <laughs> out of your garden. <laughs> no, that's stuff. I mean, it's, it's, it's such a, it's counterintuitive to the gardener because uh, gardeners tend to want to share with each other. Oh, yeah. And, 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 and if someone's got really big ones, you'd be like, yeah, I want some of those. Give them to me sort of thing. Yeah. But here, here in the States, you know, we have public libraries that have seed, exchange days and it's like what are you doing you know because that's one of the worst things you could do is because uh, all you're doing is spreading diseases it's like it's an just, orgy for uh well yeah that's what i call it it's a plant orgy you know, it's, <laughs> you know I, I i wanted to write an article uh in fact i did and i wanted i, I 
originally entitled it, It's Time We Had the STD Talk. Okay? And uh, <laughs> they wouldn't let me use that title uh, because they, they thought that somebody that was searching for STDs, it would come up and they didn't want that. But my S was seed. Yeah. Uh, you know, seed transmitted diseases because right. there's all kinds of seed transmitted diseases out there that you will get. And you know, we brought some into our countries uh, from people bringing things from other countries that, you know, they shouldn't bring in. Uh, I'm sure in Canada, it's illegal to bring in plant material from other countries, just like it is in the United States. And I'm sure like, I'm sure in the United States, like in Canada, everybody does it anyway. Oh yeah, they do. <laughs> but, but man. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's the strange thing about seed exchange. It's such a wonderful notion. It's it's very communal. It's it's sharing and it's giving and it's 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 nice seeing people do something good, uh, in principle. But then you've got this issue of bringing in pathogens into your soil. And That's right. The whole thing, you know. Um, yep. Yeah, that's for sure. Right on, Ron. Real. Thanks for coming on the show. I, I, I hope maybe we can do another one of these. I'd love to do one on potatoes to speak to that, uh, speak to that issue. Um, just a note from the sponsors, people. Um, this podcast and the YouTube channel, they're provided by my sponsors, Bessie Seeds and Safest Gardening Products. If you want to support the show and you need something that they sell, buy it from them. Use the coupon codes in the description box. You get a deal. Uh, details are all there. Uh, check that out if, uh, if, if you need something. Um, Ron, thank you for being on the show. Thanks for agreeing to do this. It was a really good talk. I think a very thorough talk on uh, on our garlic, and we'd uh, love to have it back again. Okay, thanks for having me, Greg. And have a great day. Thank you very much, everybody out there. Thanks for listening, and until next time, get out there, get at it, have fun in your garden. <laughs>